This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Tommy, what do we got today? Today, we're going to be exploring the seven wonders of the ancient world. So talking about those a little bit, give kind of a rundown, kind of like a, a traveler's list of uh, where to go if you were alive during uh, the antiquity era. And I think we're going to touch upon some of the new, the new seven. I feel like we should talk about the new seven, uh, because there are... Uh, seven new wonders of the world, uh, fairly recent in the 2000s. Um, and the reason for it, well, I guess we'll get to it a little bit today, is the original seven wonders of the world are kind of classical antiquity. Like these things are mostly located in the Mediterranean rim, and there's reasons for that because they were recorded by travelers to the Mediterranean area. Most of these things are actually gone out of the seven, Tom, right? Um, there's yeah. only one that survives. And then, uh, and therefore, later on, there was a new push to find the new seven wonders of the world. And therefore, it was like a hundred, hundred million people voted in two thousand seven um, to declare these seven new wonders of the world, which we will also uh, briefly discuss. You know, maybe yeah. we'll compare it. You know, the old with the new, although, you know, not that any anybody has seen the old, but. Okay, well, we'll describe them. We'll describe them real quick. So the Seven Wonders of the World were, were essentially written and put together in 220, yeah, 225 BC. That's the original list that was put together. The list is gone. We, we can't really find it. Again, it's been thousands of years. However, it is referenced numerous times. And therefore, from the references, we have recreated this idea. Historians have recreated this idea of what these seven wonders of the world were. Using modern day countries, um, two of them would be located in Greece, right? Two in Turkey, Mm -hmm. two in Egypt, and one is in modern day Iraq. Um, And they're basically, one reason why they exist is because if you go back to our archive, the one we did on Alexander the Great, right? Because it's because he conquers the Hellenistic world. He conquers all these civilizations like the Egyptians, the Persians, the Babylonians, and then people can actually travel between these, I guess, relatively safely. Yep. And they're talking about the writings and um, and they become very popular and they're talking about them and they're listing them and they're saying, listen, if you're going to go to this place, go here. If you're going to this place, go there. So it's almost like a traveler's guide. And uh, the one that pops up first on all the listers, um, actually the largest, I mean, the oldest and the, um, for a while it was the largest, uh, tallest structure man ever built. And it's the only yes. one that we that's still around today. And that is the yeah. Great Pyramid of Giza in, in Egypt. And this is yeah. basically the only one, like we said, that's still around today. It's uh, located in Giza on the west bank of the Nile River, just north of uh, Cairo. And mm-hmm. um, it's part of a series of other, of three pyramids. Shops Pyramid, the Shafri, I'm sure I'm spelling, saying these somewhat wrong, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and the Mycermis. And they were built between 2700 BC and 2500 BC. And they're basically yep. royal tombs. We know about this. Like we talked about this yep. with uh, King Tut. And the largest and the most impressive one is Khufu, which is the Great Pyramid. It's about 13 acres and it contains more than 2 million stone blocks. So like this is like a huge pyramid. And for a while, it was the largest um, man-made the building in the world. Yeah. yeah. For about yeah, 4,000 yeah. years. Like basically until you have like the metropolises start to be built all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, they said it took it, it took the modern world to basically surpass the the size and the height of the these pyramids. Uh, it took that long, and also interesting enough, like each one of these blocks being weighing about thirty tons each, it, it's so roughly about the same weight as an SUV. To this day, it really brings a lot of wonder, and that's kind of why this these became the seven wonders of the world. Um, 
you know, how were these built? I think this is still being debated to this day. And oh, it's aliens, right? By who? I know, right? And that, that is one of the things, you know, the, the aliens built pyramids. Yeah, we did cover this on another podcast in the past. However, recently, as recent as about five years ago, um, archaeologists had found some tombs in the nearby site uh, that they believe belonged to the builders of these pyramids. And again, these particular tombs they found are also well-preserved. And each one had an area set to the the side of it for food and other provisions, as well as someone's belongings, which made it seem like the people that built them actually had a certain status. Therefore, it is believed that perhaps the long-running and long-standing belief that the slaves had built the pyramids may or may not necessarily be true Again, this is you know a developing thing as archaeologists continue to discover these things. But also, the other thing was, how did they build them in a sense of, how did they get them so high? So they created a bunch of... They like used, rollers, log rollers, rollers. Basically, yep. yeah, basically to move the stones in place. And high walls. planes, yep. Yeah, high yep. planes. And they were able to do it. And they've proven that you can do this. It's not easy. It's not easy work. But yep. they've been able to, when I say they, I mean, you have scientists, you have engineers that prove that. No, you could, you could do it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to... You're not going to do it overnight, but it is possible. Yep. And on uh, these yep. pyramids, um, they found treasure, obviously. We've talked about that when we talked about King Tut's tomb, but they didn't, um, didn't find much. They believe most of what was there was probably looted shortly after it was complete, about 100 years, 200 years after it was done. Yep. Uh, most of the stuff was, was robbed by grave robbers and stuff like that, just because they just knew it was so valuable what was inside. And you're going to see that a lot with a lot of these um, ancient world wonders is that they get looted. They get destroyed. By, yep. uh, just besides just time, just people wanting what's there because they're so valuable. Absolutely. It's interesting because in the 80s, they actually did a whole scan of the pyramids trying to look for more hidden compartments. You know, I mean, they did like a top down you know, scan of it that looked like heat signatures to try to see if there's any open spaces because we're still to this day trying to really figure out the mystery of the one of the first seven wonders of the world. The second one of the world is actually considered by some to be a fictional tale because there's no yes. real no proof. proof that this existed. However, um, considering that there is proof for the other six, there is a belief that this might have existed. And I'm talking about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, right? Babylon, yes. Built near the Euphrates River, right? This is the one that was in modern-day yep. Iraq. And yep. it was believed to be built by the Babylonian king um, Nebuchadnezzar II around 600 BC or so. And they're basically said to be built, well, I think, on a man-made mountain, right? And the mm-hmm. gardens were uh, – they had these high – they were planted about 75 feet in the air, huge square brick terraces laid out like steps in a theater. Um, they built these towering gardens. They're supposed to be because um, his wife was homesick for the national beauty of her home in Medea, uh, yep. which is in modern-day Iran. So they basically – he wanted to make her feel like she was at home. And when you're a king, you can do that. So these massive gardens, um, irrigated systems – and that's, say, that's what comes in to play yeah, the irrigation. They'd have to right. have an irrigation system because otherwise they would die. There's no way to have this. But there are talks of that there was this giant water wheel and stuff like that that carried water from Euphrates many feet into the air. And there's multiple accounts from both Greek and Roman literature that talk about people who've been there first um, firsthand. So there might be yeah. um, some truth for it. And there might be some not. They're not really sure. The idea of the irrigation system using the pumps and water wheels and all these things that carried water you know, many feet in the air, 75 feet into the air. They say that that's also often pointed to as the reason why this may not have been true because the belief is that they could not have carried that out 
um, during the time, you know, around 600 BC, that that was not yet perfected to the extent that it would have made this possible. So uh, this is the only one here. As much as the Pyramid of Giza is the one real one that still survives of the seven, this is the one that is the most questioned that it might not have ever existed. That's the big, um, yeah. Yep. That brings us to the Statue of Zeus at Olympia. That's, this one's cool. It, has, it is, yeah. It seems like it was huge. So I'm thinking of Zeus, right? He's the main god, the god of gods, the god, the god of um, the sky, thunder, lightning. If you saw him in yep. Lore, in um, Thor: Love and Thunder, right? A little bit different in that movie, but yeah. um, constructed and placed in a temple of Zeus at Olympia, and it was around the mid fifth century BC, and it was the god of thunder, right there, seated, uh, bare chested, wooden throne. He had a um, Artemis with two carved sphinx, which was a you know, mythical creature, so the head of a chest, yep. head of a woman, and body of a line, uh, line with wings. And his other um, hand, I think he had a spear, right? It had like an eagle on top. Yeah. Like a, a well, staff. and it was 40 feet tall. 40 statue. feet tall, and it was covered with gold, ivory, jewels. Like this was something that was supposedly impressive. But apparently what I read too is a lot of uh, people would come and be like, oh, the proportions aren't right. Zeus should look yeah. different than this. Because remember, they're kind of making what their god looks like. You know, this is him. So a lot of people actually, they were in awe of it. But a lot of people also commented be like, this, and you know, that's not how Zeus looks. Again, how do you yeah. know what Zeus looks like? But. Right, That's right. what basically uh, was there. Well, it, was, it, was, it was put inside a temple, right? Which has an interesting story too. Well, the temple shortly after it was constructed, yeah, got struck by lightning. Yep, that's right. So if yeah, you're, right, they, right. so the Greeks are like, oh man, that's a sign that Zeus likes it. You know, <laughs> they thought that it was Zeus's approval that uh, that's what happened, and um, it stood there for more than um, grace a temple for more than eight centuries. You have um, Christian priests persuaded the Roman emperor to close it in fourth century. I still read something that. Um, what was that crazy Roman, the Roman emperor Caligula, but he wanted to basically um, take it himself and bring it, bring it to Rome and replace the head with his head. They were talking about doing it. So apparently he sent a bunch of workers in and as they were moving it, there was like this loud booming sound, which the workers took as a laugh and like could knock down the scaffolding and stuff like that. And then uh, that's why they all like ran out. And then shortly after that Caligula was assassinated. So it never happened. And a lot of people say that, you know, it was uh, Zeus, his laughter, it was a warning that you should not mess with the gods. You know, you don't mess with that. Caligula's assassination was a sign of that. You don't mess with the gods because you want to do that. Kind of but cool. it eventually gets taken down, like we said. Yeah, it is moved. Uh, it is moved to Constantinople, um, and it is believed to have been destroyed in Constantinople around like a, the year 462. Yeah, in a fire. And plus, a lot of the stuff was missing too by then. That people would come and take pieces off. They were taking their souvenirs, basically, one way or another. Yep. This one apparently does more than one, the next uh, seventh wonder of the world, the Temple of Artemis. And based on what I read about the Temple of Artemis, they said it was actually a series of uh, different altars and temples. And All the same were, place, though, right? In the same yep, place, generally. They were destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed, rebuilt, and continuously in a, in a Greek port city um, on the west coast of modern-day Turkey, right? Festus, yeah, Festus. The most um, fabulous of these structures uh, was apparently two marble temples that were built around 550 BC and 350 BC. It's a long time to build something. That's like 200 years. It takes time. Well, um, they take their time. They want to make sure it's right. Right. Apparently, uh, a writer at the time said that apart from Olympus, the sun never looked on anything so grand. It was decorated by some of the most celebrated artists at the time, apparently. But the building burned on July 21st, 356 BC. According to the legend, this is an interesting legend, right? That it burned yeah. on the same night that Alexander the Great was born. And it was apparently torched by a Greek citizen named uh, Herostratus, right? I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, Herostratus, yeah. But he had a weird reason why he wanted to do this. And I guess we're helping his reason right now, right? 
right? Yeah, no, this is kind of like the complex of uh, John Wilkes Booth over here. Um, yeah. He burned it because he wanted his name to be known to history. Um, however, he is found out, put to death, um, and basically the government, to make sure that this doesn't happen, makes it illegal for anyone to say his name. Yes, the they try to erase him from history, but here we are talking about it. So I guess the, uh, the Greek government from 356... BC is going to come after us. Isn't that crazy though? I had their like, this happened on July 21st, 356 BC. Like, BC, that's yeah. like insane. Yeah, well, the, right? the Greeks were uh, note takers, you know, they paid attention to their history. They didn't mess around. You know, they, that's why the, the guy did that because he knew, hey, they're going to write my name down somewhere. It's going to get found out and I will be remembered for all time. So we're not yeah. condoning burning down uh, temples in order to uh, get your name remembered in history. It doesn't really work that way anymore. Crazy. Well, as, as before, uh, the temple is rebuilt six years later. Um, and inside of it uh, stood, a, they said, a 60-foot marble um, columns held up a statue of Artemis, right? The Greek goddess of the hunt. They're not really sure what exactly the top of it looked like. Um, we don't know if it was wood or not. But it was mostly destroyed in t- year 262, um, and it wasn't really until 1860s that archaeologists dug up the first ruins of the temple's columns at the bottom of the Kester River, which is kind of cool. So again, technically that we found ruins, but it doesn't still exist. So pyramids are still the only ones. Yeah, that look as if somewhat as they did during that time. The other ones, like we know where it was, they can find, you know, the ruins, like you said, but it doesn't they don't exist anymore? Yep, yep. Same, All right. same thing. What we have next? All right, what do you got next? Next on my list is the Mausoleum at um, Halicarnassus, yep. right? And it was located in Turkey, and the Mausoleum was a, a tomb built by Artemisa for her husband. So the, the other uh-huh. one, the, supposedly the hang guards of Babylon were for his wife, right? And this one's for the husband. Um, he was the king of uh, Carnea in Asia Minor, and he died in 353 BC. This and is kind of weird, though. Yeah, it was also Ar- Artemisa's brother, according to legend. Yep. Yep. So uh, his name was... Um, Mausolus? Yep, that's how we say it. And um, according to legend, so she was very like grief stricken. She's upset the passing that she mixed his ashes with water and drank them. And all, in addition to ordering the mausoleum's construction. So this is her brother and her husband that died. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, Each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Remember, this is 353 BC. Crazy. And the uh, mausoleum was made entirely of white marble. And it was about, they estimated it was probably about 135 feet high. And it was very uh, complicated design. It had like three rectangular layers. Um, 
They said it was different architectural styles, Egyptian, Greek, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Lycian, Egypt, uh, yeah. Greek, and Egyptian, all these styles. And the first layer was 60-foot base of steps, followed by a middle layer of, like, the columns, if you see it, and then the, and then the stepped uh, pyramid-shaped roof. So it was kind of like this merger of these cultures. And, again, you can find, like, artist renditions of this and stuff like that. That's like what it looks like. It kind of looks like a combination. Like, they, it's like some kid's toys that stacked them on top of each other. Yeah. Um, and the very top laid the tomb decorated with work of uh, four sculptures, a 20-foot marble rendition of a four-horse chariot. So this was like just marble and massiveness, this mausoleum for her husband slash brother. And most of it was destroyed in the 13th century by an earthquake. Mm-hmm. And what was later used, the remains were used to fortify a castle later on. And then in 1846, some of the piece of the mausoleum um, was extracted from the castle and now resigned. They have other relics in uh, London's British Museum. So they it was taken all over the place. So they used to rebuild the castle, and then it, now it's, parts of that are in um, the British Museum in London. This is an interesting one, too. Like, you just look at the picture, and even just, like, the four-horse chariot on the top. Like, this is a massive... It's, it's, just, it's a mausoleum. It's a tomb for yeah. her husband slash brother. It's huge, though, yeah. Uh, the next one is kind of interesting because we don't really know. To this day, they're trying to figure out what this thing looked like, whether it, you know... The one legend says that it the legs of the statue were spread wide and ships could pass through it into the harbor. And more recently, they're thinking, oh, man, maybe not because the statue, if it was real, was way too large you know, for it to balance that way. But what we're talking about is the Colossus of Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And the Colossus of Rhodes was an enormous bronze sculpture of the sun god, Helios. It is built by, the, built by the Rodians over 12 years in the 3rd century BC. Apparently, they built it actually because Macedonians took over the area. And once the Macedonians left, the Rodians actually used the leftover Macedonian tools and equipment to build and then pay for this Colossus um, structure. It was about 100 feet tall. They said it was the tallest of the ancient world. No, and this was- is bronze, too. Yeah, bronze. So this is not like yeah, stone. This is bronze. Uh, it stood for sixty years. Um, was built around two eighty BC, and it stood for sixty years until it was toppled in an earthquake and never rebuilt. Apparently, the humongous statue again. It stood at supposedly entrance into a bay. The ships went under it. Eventually, after it fell, after this earthquake, the remnants of it were sold at scrap metal. Yeah. Um, and we don't really it was know. still there. It, it like fell onto the city, and supposedly that was it was a popular tourist attraction. Just like that, you'll see people just kind of like coming to the head, like yeah. because it fell into the city itself when, after the earthquake. It, was, it wasn't even around for like what, like I think it said, sixty years, right? Yeah, 50, yeah. 60, sixty years, and it, it topples over. And um, there's debates on whether or not he was naked or he had a torch with one hand or held a spear in the other. So it's a whole bunch of uh, debates. But like you said before, they probably think that now there's no way you could have those legs. Um, that far yeah. apart, it just wouldn't be able to support the weight. They probably had to be much closer together. Maybe it was on one side of the harbor. Yep. Or it was there to like uh, cement their victory yeah, over invading armies. Yep. The last of the seven is the Lighthouse of Alexandria. Small islands near uh, near the city of Alexandria, Pharos, uh, designed by a Greek architect around 270 BC. It supposedly helped guide the Nile River ships in and out of the city's busy harbor. And we know what this looked like because we actually, or rather not we, but archaeologists found ancient coins on which the lighthouse was depicted. So from that, we were able to deduce the structure, had three tiers and more or less what it looked like. And the fact that it had a square level bottom on the very top of it stood a 60 foot statue. They think that it might have been of Alexander the Great because after all, the city was named 
after. Yeah, why not? Maybe. Why not? They say that the estimates of the lighthouse height, and again, I'm not sure how we can figure that out based off of a coin, but um, they say that lighthouse height range for anywhere from 200 to 600 feet. Which that's is a really big estimate. Like, I was going to say, that's almost a bit close. Like, if we say, oh, how big is that? Ah, 200 to 600 feet. Like, no, nah, can you narrow it down a little bit? Like, that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. A, it's a big difference between 200 to 600 feet. Um, and I know a lot of scholars are arguing that it was probably about like a little under 400 feet and stuff like that. Basically, no, they, use mar- they use mirrors and stuff to reflect the light. And you, could, you said you could see it from uh, miles out into the, into yep. the sea. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. To, uh, so those are basically your seven ancient wonders of the world. The official seven wonders of the world, when people say, hey, what are the seven wonders? Like, this is what they actually mean, not what we're about to quickly discuss. In 2007, uh, there was a new foundation, a nonprofit created called the New Seven Wonders of the World Foundation. And they held a contest. Uh, to name the new seven wonders and uh, tens of millions of people voted for these different unesco world heritage sites that made the list and they span four continents and all of them to this day attract thousands of different tourists each year but we have the new seven wonders of the world so tom you want to kind of get into those a little bit first one sure and then, I well, guess then we'll wrap. Then we'll wrap it up well, at the yeah. end, I guess, with some with yeah. some fun facts on yep. on the old ones. Um, so the one. first one that's popping up on all the list is the one that definitely everyone's heard of, um, the Great Wall of China, right? Yep. One of the world's largest buildings uh, projects of all time. Right, the Great Wall of China is. Um, they don't really know for sure because it's a part of about five thousand five hundred miles long, and they be, work began around seventeenth century BC and continued for two millennia, basically. It's called the Wall. It's basically a bunch of. Um, parallel walls and um, lengthy stretches in addition to watchtowers, barracks, things of that nature. The walls is basically huge and it was effective, right? Keeping the Mongols out of China. Was, they said they started know, building it in sections in around 5th century BC and they finished it by around 17th century. And it was built in sections because there was different warring like tribes and different dynasties that controlled various areas and they would they build their own little yeah. walls. And eventually uh, Ming dynasties, when they kind of connected most of these walls into the Great Wall of China, um, what's really cool about this Great Wall of China, it spans about 4,000 miles and makes it the world's longest man-made structure. Uh, most of it is kind of messed up today. It's not as, you know, when you see pictures of it, it doesn't really seem to be in that pristine yeah, condition. Yeah, anyway. you're seeing like the like the, the more Nicer tourist parts. pictures, the tourist exactly. pictures. The other parts, I think the wall is not very... Yeah, they said some pieces it's like gone, yeah. And they also build the wall based on whatever uh, materials were present in the place they were building it. So in some places, it's really just wood, while in others, it is what you normally see, which is the yeah. uh, blocks. What's interesting here, too, is they used um, – I found this really cool when I was doing research. I thought it was interesting – is that they utilized rice inside the mortar, which is why they were, the actual mortar was super sticky, and it allowed for the wall to pretty much – remain intact to this day in, in many places because of this secret ingredient. Um, it, it also, also helped the workers, right? If they were hungry, they just take a couple bites. Of the mortar? Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, God. All right. So the second one that uh, makes the new list is the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. Everyone's seen this one. It looms over the yeah, Brazilians. It's kind right? of like a modern-day um, Colossus. I actually forgot to mention that before, is that the um, – Colossus of the, the Colossus of Rhodes was actually was the inspiration for the Statue of Liberty. Oh, that's cool. I saw that, but anyway, yeah. So you have Christ the Redeemer. No, it's good. Yeah, this one. This was being built in the twenties. So was completed in thirty-one. Uh, it's one hundred thirty feet tall. Um, it is reinforced concrete, soapstone statue, and it costs approximately two hundred fifty thousand dollars to build. Which, if you think about it today, that's 
nothing in comparison to how much people's homes cost. But it was raised at the time, mostly through donations. The next one is kind of cool on the new list is Machu Picchu. I found this one to be super interesting. Um, so the Machu- yeah, because no one knows really much about well, yeah, ends and stuff, but yeah. But also like so, it's they say that it was built at the peak of the Incan Empire in Peru in about mid fourteen hundreds. Um, it was like a mountain citadel. And eventually what's happening is when the Spanish are invading Peru and Latin America, the Incas abandoned this. But when they abandoned, this is up, up high in the mountains, the Andes. And it's so high, this this hidden city, that when the Incas abandoned it, they actually on the way down start burning most of the forest to kind of hide the trek and the roads leading up to it from the Spanish. And, and believe it or not, they actually, they hide it so well uh, that this site remains unknown except to some locals, until 1911, which is crazy. For hundreds of years, they hid this city up in the sky in the mountains. Um, And so in 1911 is when they finally found it again. It just shows you how the world changes. In 2000, I'm sure you read that they were filming a beer commercial there, and that's when a crane fell down and cracked the monument. So they're like, yeah, we're not going to let this happen anymore. (laughs) It's like, look at this this ancient city we just found, and like not even 100 years later. Let's let's, let's, uh, – it's going to be good to film some Budweiser here. You know, like crazy, just crazy stuff. But yeah, but it's um one of the few pre-Columbian ruins that were found actually like nearly intact. And even though it's isolated in the Andes Mountains, it has like agricultural terraces, plazas, residential areas, temples. And a lot of people think it might have been a retreat for royals, like kind of like their own like private, yeah. um, like a city almost where they would go and try to get away from it all. You know, crazy. The next one is in the Yukon um, Peninsula in Mexico, and it is the Mayan culture's ruins. Um, how do you call it? Chichen Itza, yep. Mayan city. Yeah, they said it was a powerful trade city, right? Center for cloth, slaves, honey, salt. Flourished from about 800 to 1200 and acted as the political and economic hub of the entire Mayan civilization. We should do a podcast on the Mayan civilization because that we're, is – We've talked about it. We've talked about yeah, it. Yeah, because that would be cool. And it has basically uh, 365 steps, and they believe that, you know, the days in the solar year. Again, yep. showing how the Mayan, they, uh, how the astronomical science and stuff are very important to them. Yep, at the time. Um, so, yeah, uh, that one, we could, maybe we should go see that. We could make that trip. Go for it. All right. Uh, the next one, I'll, probably everyone that listens to this podcast have heard of this one, and that would be the Roman Colosseum. Yeah, I think um, the History Channel just did a um, special on the Colosseum. Yeah. being built and everything like that. I, I watched a bit of it here and there. Um, yes, yeah, so it was built in the first century by the order of Emperor Vesperian. And it was basically a feat of engineering. It was a giant amphitheater, right? 620 by 513 feet. Yeah. Features a complex series of vaults capable of holding over 50,000 spectators. Watched yeah. a whole bunch of events. Obviously, the most notable one with the gladiators. They had other things too. Had a series of like the floors were opening up, trap doors. Uh, you know, men would battle animals. They were filled with there. water, didn't they? They were filled with water. water. Right, the, the mock, dude, for mock naval battles and stuff like yeah. that. It's believed that Christians were martyred there being thrown lines, but they're not really sure if that would happen. I'm sure that's kind of debated here and there. And then some estimates are that about half a million people died in the Colosseum over the year, over the, you know, the centuries it was used in those gladiatorial battles. Actually, it's still used as the main influence for even today's amphitheaters. Um, you know, 2,000 years later, they kind of still take cues from from this one. It also did not look the way it looks outside now. It looked like well, no, it's falling apart. Well, it fell yeah. apart, didn't it? Obviously, they reconstructed it, certain parts, or reinforced it, so make sure that it stays around. Because it's a major tourist attraction nowadays. Taj Mahal is Taj the sixth Mahal. on our list of seven. It was commissioned for the wife of Emperor Shah Jahan. It's right? another tomb, right? It is another tomb. 
uh, built between 1632 and 1648, which is kind of amazing that um, it, it only took that little to build this thing. It's spectacular. They say it's uh, considered the most perfect specimen of Muslim art in all of India. Um, it is a white marble structure. You guys have also probably seen it, those of you guys that listen to this. It has Persian, Islamic, Turkish, Indian uh, architectural styles. It's just a combination of all. And it has plethora of gardens and incorporates the gardens around it, formal gardens, raised pathways, flower beds, uh, reflecting pool. Also an extremely well-visited site. I mean, all these are. All right. What else do we have? We can do Paratha, the, the ancient city of Peralta, Jordan, right? It's yep. located in a remote valley um, among the sandstone mountains and cliffs. It was supposedly be one of the places where Moses struck a rock and water gushed out, if you read about that. Later, tri- later Arab tribes made it their capital, and it flourished, becoming an important trade city, especially for spices and stuff like that. And you know they had these um, carvers, basically these chiseled dwellings into the rock itself. Um, temples, tombs, all in the sandstone, which changed color when the sun shifted on it, so that made it even more... Like it's beautiful, I like to look at. Uh, they constructed a water system down there, lush gardens and farming. And at its height, they believe Peralta had a population of about 30,000. But as trade routes shifted, the city began to decline. And then a major earthquake in 363 caused more difficulty. And then another tremor in 551. And it was gradually basically just abandoned after that. Um, again, it goes kind of unnoticed until 1912. And it was largely ignored by archaeologists until late 20th century about like what's going on here. They kind of just like ignored it because of where it was. Unbelievable. But it's just, it's, it's just like rock, and then here's this city. It's it really, it's really it looks like a, cool. Yeah, interesting to say. It's almost like I think there is something from Indiana Jones, right? In the third Indiana Jones that like seems similar where they yeah, go. Sure. Yeah, the actual, yeah, I think we talked um, about that in our Indiana Jones yeah. podcast. We did. Touch on everything now, man. See? It all connects. It all connects. It all connects. Well, um, I think that pretty much concludes our, our podcast on the seven wonders of the world. So yeah, everybody... Go back and listen to our podcast on the eighth wonder of the world, right? Andre we did do that one. We did, we did that. that one too. Look, I know it's like this episode has just become plugging for other episodes. Well, we always find ourselves now like, hey, we should do this. And then we sit there and we're like, wait, this sounds familiar. Uh, we did do this one already. We might have, do, we might have did this one already, yeah. yeah trying to come so, up with new ones. That's right. We're working on it. We're working on it. Slowly well, but surely. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in once more. We do appreciate it. If you need to find us, you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We are there to answer any of your questions, and we welcome any comments that you might have. Um, And I guess that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, 
And I'll unpack the conspiracy theories too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.